This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Are you searching for a new job? That can be stressful, scary, and time-consuming. Pushy recruiters try to sell you on roles you don't actually want, and the job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole, never to be seen again. And sometimes you go all the way through the interview process just to find out at the very end that the salary, offer, or company culture doesn't match what you're looking for. Hired is the world's most intelligent talent matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities in engineering development, design, product management, data science, sales, and marketing. We make your job search faster, focused, and stress-free. Instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best, Hired puts you in control of when and how you connect with compelling new opportunities. After completing one simple application, top employers apply to hire you. And on Hired, you receive personal interview requests and upfront salary information so you can make informed decisions about what opportunities to pursue over a condensed timeline. Hired offers access to more than 4,000 innovative employers, including big brand names like Facebook and smaller emerging startups. The size and type of company you want to connect with is totally up to you. And we help you find new opportunities in 17 major cities in North America, Europe, Asia, and Australia. Open to relocation? Let them know. Your privacy and autonomy in your job search is of utmost importance. And if you sign up today using the show's link, that's Hired.com slash Ruby Rogues, you can get double the normal hiring bonus. That's $600 instead of $300. So go check them out at Hired.com slash Ruby Rogues. Welcome to Ruby Rogues. I'm David Kamira. And today on our panel, we have Eric Berry. Hi there. And today we will be talking with our guest, Allison McMillan. Hello. Allison, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself, some of the stuff that you're doing out in the community? Sure. So my name is Allison. I live in the Washington, D.C. area um, with my husband and son, who's uh, two and a half. I'm a software developer. I was a career changer. So as a nonprofit executive before switching careers and becoming a software developer uh, a few years ago. Um, And locally, um, I am involved in helping with the uh, RubyConf and RailsConf Scholar Guide Program. I'm a conference speaker. Um, I run a local, uh, a local Ruby meetup, Silver Spring Ruby. Um, and for my day, my day job, I am a software developer at Collective Idea. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I think a lot of people have heard of Collective Idea with their delayed job, Jim, uh, yeah. or at least, you know, that's the first time I had heard of them and stuff. So, uh, it's, a uh, definitely cool. You know, I think they had originally taken it over from, someone else maybe they worked at collective idea or not i'm not, i'm not sure but uh, i know they maintain it and they do a good job with it yeah yeah we uh we love working on we love working on open source and um and yeah we're you know a consultancy that works with a, a variety of companies and it's it's a really awesome place to work i've been there for just shy of a year um and still really really loving it that's awesome so do they give you uh, free time to work on open source or is that part of your work, your quote work schedule? Um, yeah, so within within our workday, we're given uh, internal time. And so internal time is like if I'm working on a conference talk or, you know, blog post for the site or open source time, um, we can choose to do that as part of as part of our, our internal time. That's awesome. It's really cool to see companies that encourage uh, and support that kind of stuff. So uh, you run a blog, and it's, I believe, uh, Daydreams in Ruby. Can you tell, tell us a bit about your blog and some of the things that you are putting up on there? Yeah, um, 
Man, I've been blogging for a while. I actually found, I started blogging because it was a really great way as I was sort of transitioning into, in the, into the industry, um, to write down what I was learning. Um, and originally, uh, Originally, I was like, well, nobody's going to want to read this. And then I realized that I actually didn't care because a lot of what I write is for like future me to like go back and <laughs> like remember solutions to technical problems or, uh, you know, remind myself. I, I recently did a post about getting feedback. Um, so whenever I need to get feedback, I just go back to that post and I'm like, oh, right. Those were the five really well thought out questions that I want to ask my colleagues and peers. Um but yeah, and I, I write on a variety of topics, uh, goal setting, um, some technical issues, getting feedback, uh, a little bit about being a, a mom and a developer, um, running retrospectives, writing interactive workshops, just sort of a, a variety of things. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, I have to totally agree with you that a lot of the things or blogging that I do, a lot of times that's for my own like documentation. You know, it's like having one of those little multicolor composite notebooks where you just kind of take notes, but it's available for the world to see. So I think that's awesome. You know, you definitely don't have to be an expert. Not saying that about you or anything more you know, towards myself here, uh, you don't have to be an expert to write a blog post, even a technical blog post, just get out there and do it. You know, uh, it's good for you. It's good to get the exposure and it's, you know, a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, and I found that when I was just starting out, when I didn't have a lot of code samples to show or things like that, I could sort of, um, you know, I could point to blog posts or things that even like, oh, I was working on this tutorial and this piece was really difficult. And so I'd write a little blog post about it. Or even like, here's a blog post about the five tutorials that I've done recently and what I thought was really effective in terms of me and my learning style from each one. Uh, and so it was really great to be able to sort of point to those and talk to those before I had, you know, a robust GitHub profile and a lot of, you know, a lot more code or code examples to point to. Yeah, I've been doing this for uh, developing for several years. I still don't have a uh, big GitHub profile. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that could also be because of three kids under the age of four in my household. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine how that would affect your, your you know, ability to commit to commit code and, and push stuff to GitHub. Just yeah. unfathomable. <laughs> yeah, it's usually those 1 a.m. like uh, Git commits called whoops. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yep. So uh, it's a mess. So uh, how was it uh, like being a mom in coding? Yeah. Um, so becoming a mom was, uh, it was actually a really big, it was a much larger transition than I thought it was going to be. Um, I've sort of always been like a go-getter and I like set a goal and then accomplish it and, and whatever. And, um, when I became a mom, I found that a lot of the extra time that I had been putting into leveling up and learning and creating this robust GitHub profile, et cetera, um, it just it just disappeared. And part of that was a change in priority. Um, you know, wanting to make sure that I'm spending time with my child outside of outside of work and sort of really cementing that work life balance, um, but also just like your time is just so much less, you know, you're, you're taking care of this tiny human that relies on you for everything. Um, 
Plus, you know, so in addition to just sort of the taking care of tiny, tiny human bit, you're also, um, if you're a working mom, or even sometimes if you're, if you're not a working mom, I was pumping uh, breast milk a bunch. And so, you know, there's, you have to sort of fit that into your schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's setup and cleanup that has to be done sort of for that. And so, uh, yeah, so becoming a mom made me realize that I sort of had to, and originally actually what I tried to do was just do everything that I was doing, but just like with a with a baby also. Um, and, and I found that I was sort of like losing, but yeah, you chuckle and that's like, it's hilarious. Cause it's just not, it's like really not possible. Um, and I found that I was sort of like losing my mind because I would like, you know, work a full day and then do a couple of hours and get my, you know, infant to sleep and then like log on and work for another couple of hours until like, you know, one or two in the morning. And then like, you know, you're not sleeping through the night, at least for the first six or seven months. Um, and so it was just really after about four to six weeks of trying to do that, I was so tired. I was so exhausted. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to burn out and leave this industry like super quick, unless I sort of figure out a change. Um, and, and I actually reached out on Twitter. I was like, mom devs, I need you. Where are you? Who are you? I need you because I was just really feeling very, very alone and very isolated and very much like, I don't know anyone else who's a mom and a developer. Like, who are these people? Where do they, where do they exist? Do they, are they still in the industry? Um, and I was actually really, really lucky. I mean, I, I love the Ruby community. I think the Ruby community is really, really fantastic. And I was super lucky because I had a bunch of moms reach out to me on Twitter and offer like supportive, like supportive messages, but also offer to do hangouts and to chat. Um, and so I, I chatted with a good handful of moms and they were like, oh yeah, I remember those days. Um, and they, <laughs> and they gave me some advice and suggestions and they also gave me a lot of words of like support and encouragement. Um, and that was uh, one of the talks that I've done in the past is called BDD, Baby Driven Development. Um, and that talk sort of stemmed from this experience. Basically, once I had heard from all these moms, I was like, I didn't even know that moms in tech existed. Like, how do I bring visibility uh, to, to, the, to the struggles, to the challenges that parents face and not just moms, but, you know, dads and like all, all parents um, and all sorts of family structures. And so I put out this big survey and got really amazing survey results and sort of crafted a, a talk about um, what sort of the main challenges are and then what companies can do, what colleagues without children can do and what parents can do to sort of try to make their lives as developers better. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh I couldn't even imagine trying to raise my children and have a full-time job, like, you know, have that as a, you know, responsibility. So I think it takes a real powerful person to do that. <laughs> so that's amazing. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm at home with my kids, you know, after work and stuff, but it's, it's not the same as, you know, really being that nurturer to them. So I think that's really commendable. Um, well, and it's a lot of partnership. I mean, my my husband and I yeah. are sort of 
we talk and we are, we're constantly talking about because you know we are we're we're both working we're both working full time and so it's a constant conversation of you know whose job is busy right now how can I support you how can you support me how can we how can we support each other? How, you know, like, what do you need? What do I need? What do we feel like we're not getting? And we're kind, you know, as our, and as our son gets older, cause I think in that first year, um, you know, I think being a parent regardless is difficult, but I think biologically there are a lot of things in that first year that only a, only a woman can, you know, can do if you, if you choose to go sort of the, the breastfeeding, whatever mm-hmm. route. Um, and so, you know, like there was a lot of him asking me how he could be more supportive of me in that first year. And then, you know, we're continually revisiting that and saying like, okay, now that he's older, like, what can you do? What can I do? What makes sense, et cetera. That's awesome. You know, uh, it's funny that our kids also breastfed and uh, my wife would pump. So, you know, I could help out, you know, in the middle of the night and stuff. It's not the same. You know, she can hold the bottle or I can hold the bottle. They won't take it from me. They would only take it from her. So, I mean, the kids, they just, they knew that was mommy. She's the one who feeds me and stuff. So, uh, I I couldn't even imagine my wife trying to juggle a full-time job on top of that and stuff. You know, burning candles at both ends, really. So, that's awesome. I've pumped in a lot of... Uh, not great places to pump. (laughs) (laughs) So So I got a question for you. You, uh, mentioned that you were an exec at a nonprofit before. Um, how, when did you make the transition and what actually led you to make the transition to coding? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. So, um, so I was in the, I was in the nonprofit world for, and I want to say six or seven years. Um, and when I was an executive, um, as the the managing director, which at that organization was essentially the the COO, so supervising staff and sort of doing everything internally. Um, and when I came into the organization, it was it was really in this place of change. Um, they were trying to re-engage with stakeholders and grow the budget and sort of examine uh, programmatically what they were doing and how they could be more effective at the at the mission. Um, and so I was I was really excited to like jump in and like get my hands dirty and do a whole bunch of different things. And um, and my first year was super awesome and super challenging. Like we you know we tripled our budget and I was in charge of this multi million dollar budget, which was like this new awesome challenge. And we tripled. Our our staff and we grew from an all-in office staff to a partially remote staff. And there are just a lot of challenges, a lot of culture change, a lot of good stuff. And then um, like halfway through my second year, sort of things had calmed down and things were working and people were getting along really well. And we were seeing the the fruits of our labor in terms of like the re-engagement of stakeholders, et cetera. And then I was bored. <laughs> so um so I started getting involved in the DC tech, the startup community. There's a really strong startup community uh, in, in DC and um, just started helping out with some of the things that I was doing at work, translating that into a startup environment, uh, got an idea for my own startup. So launched my own startup, left my job. And through doing that, I was working with this group of developers. And I said, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to start this tech company, this website-based company, um, I really need to understand a little bit more of what I'm talking about. 
And so I did a real. What was the developer? Uh, what was the developer response to that? Like when you when you said that and and you actually executed on that, how was that received? They were actually super excited about it. I was working with this really awesome group of folks, um, and. I told them that I was going to do this Rails Girls workshop. It was the first one in D.C. Uh, Honestly, I thought that I was going to hate it. I was um, raised in a pretty traditional household where, like, my brother did the math and science stuff. And I did, like, baking and dance and, you know, um, the, like liberal arts, whatever sort of, sort of things. Um, so I actually thought that I was going to have a miserable day. I thought it was going to be way over my head and way too complicated. And just like, I was like, but I'll make it through. And then I'll be able to have better conversations with, uh, with my developers. And at the end of the day, I was like, just so obsessed. I had like, I had an app up on Heroku and it was so exciting. And I had like, you know, I had worked through some error messages and some issues. And, um, I was also lucky enough that the, the DC community is really open and welcoming to newbies and people sort of just getting started. And so there were a lot of folks there that were guides that were like, if you, if you want to continue, if you want help, if you want guidance, if you want somebody to like, look over your code, like we are all here to help you. Um, and so I continued to learn while working on the startup and the developers that I was working with were actually really excited about it. They were super supportive when I would like ask questions and, you know, and do that sort of stuff. And um, I ultimately decided that it was time to shut down the startup when I when I wanted to add tests to the code base, but there were like not that many users on the site. <laughs> so, like, yeah. I was like, yeah, I don't think that I have that like passion for, for this anymore. But I really loved being a um, being a developer, and so that's like basically I sunsetted the startup um, and just uh, found my first my first position as a full time developer. Wow, that's awesome. So you uh, you so how old's your son? Two and a half. Two and a half. Do you mind sharing his name? Uh, Devin. Devin, great name. Yeah. Um, so you you had your son. How much do you think uh, that changed your outlook, your, 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 your entrepreneurial and maybe the way you, you treat your day job? How, how has that impacted that? And maybe uh, are you now also taking uh, – because you write a lot about goal setting. You write a lot about these challenges that you faced and overcome. How much of that actually comes from, from your experience of being a mother? Um. I think being a mom sort of put it into a new into a new light. I think, you know, there have always been challenges and I, you know, I'm one of those people that always tries to fit a lot into into my day. Um, but I was also always one of those people where that I was like, well, if something's a priority for you, you'll just make it happen. Like you'll just, you know, like if you if you want to learn to code, like you'll just find the hours in the day or you'll, you know, you'll just make it happen. And I realized once I had a child, like how ridiculous that statement is, um, because sometimes like those hours just don't exist for, you know, for parents, for caregivers, for people that have multiple, you know, multiple jobs. Um, and sure, like you can make time in that day, but not without sacrificing, sacrificing your, you know, your health and your, your mindset and, you know, all, all sorts of stuff. So, um, people ask me all the time if I'm going to like do another startup in the future. Uh, and I'm like, not yet. I'm not, 
I'm still not ready for it. Um, maybe in, you know, maybe in the future, future, uh, if there's something that I come up with that I'm really sort of excited and, and passionate about, um, but not right now. Uh, and yeah, I think that a lot of my, I mean, basically my, the whole idea of goal setting and needing to maximize what I do in my workday came out of being a parent. Cause I was like, okay, I used to have these basically like seven extra hours in the day that I no longer have. Plus I'm getting less sleep. Like, how do I, um, how do I, look at my day and reconfigure it, rejigger it, look at it from different angles and different aspects and different ways so that I can really like continue learning and leveling up and uh, accelerating my career, but just keeping that to my actual work day. Um, and there's no way that you can do that unless you're like organized and goal-driven and have a plan of action around it. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm really organized for the most part, but there is so much about you know, uh, even at my job, you know, the monetary compensation. That's nice. I'm the sole provider for our household. However, the one thing that I really wish I could get more of is time. Now, even the best time management out there, you're still only limited to a fixed amount of time in a day. You know, without, as you said, sacrificing something. And it sounds like, you know, you have your priorities pretty well in place with, you know, your kid and then your job and, you know, try to fit the learning in there. Um, you know, for me, it's it's just getting that extra time to uh, do my side projects and stuff because kids, between kids and a job, I mean, that's your entire day. Uh, you know, and then, yeah. you know, who needs sleep, right? <laughs> Well, and it's really, um, you know, and I feel like priorities need to, you know, they also sometimes need to change, right? So sometimes if, um, if I, you know, have a, have a conference coming up and I need to put some more, you know, some more time into that or something, um, you know, then I'll, then I'll work it out with my husband. I'll say like, okay, for the next like two weekends, like I'm just, I'm just going to have to spend less time. You know, I'm going to spend a little bit less time with my family so that I can get in a couple of extra hours of work or whatever. And then, you know, sort of like make it up on the flip side, make it up when, you know, but I make sure that that doesn't happen for, um, for more than like a weekend or two in a row. Uh, and we're actually really lucky. We also have, we have some family close by. So a couple of months ago, uh, my husband and I sat down and we realized that we both had like a pretty intense two or three weeks coming up. Um, and so we, my, my sister, uh, is also in DC. And so we talked to her and we were like, how do you feel about a weekend nephew visit at your apartment <laughs> for anywhere between four to six hours? <laughs> so, and you know, fortunately she's like obsessed with, uh, with her nephew. My son is, is, um, the, on our side, the first grandchild and the first nephew. And so, mm -hmm. so she's always happy to have some, have some hangout time, especially when like my husband and I are not there. Cause then she can be like the cool aunt that does whatever she wants. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah. I know how that goes. Uh, <laughs> so whenever my brother takes one of my kids out shopping for a toy or something, I usually tag along just to make sure they don't come back with half the store. <laughs> Yeah. Cause you know, he's a single, uh, single guy, good job, just 
no kids or spouse of his own. So I have to yeah. make sure he doesn't spoil my kids. Yeah, the last time my sister was over, uh, my son pulled out a bag of chocolate chips from the cabinet and asked if he could have chocolate chips for dinner. And I said, you know, I said no. And then he went to my sister and he said, I want chocolate chips for dinner. And she said, the next time I babysit, you can have chocolate <laughs> chips for dinner. That's awesome. <laughs> like, yep. If you're babysitting, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's amazing how tiny uh, these little kids are and how much destruction they can bring. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, different topic. I could go on and on about the destruction of our drywalls and stuff. So, because my son, he's two and a half as well. So, or almost three. And it's amazing what he destroys. Yeah, they've just got a lot of energy. My son isn't a destroyer, but he's a climber. Um, and so, the, like, the number of things that he just can gain access to is, like, incredible. <laughs> yeah. Little tiny acrobats. <laughs> so, you're giving a, a talk at the upcoming uh, uh, online conference. What's the talk on? Let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I am. Um, so the talk is called uh, Hack Your Workday to Maximize Learning. And it's basically, um, it's sort of this idea of like, okay, you have a finite number of hours. There's stuff that you want to do within that time period. Um, and it's sort of specifically for developers, um, whether you're looking at uh increasing your technical skills or even soft skills like communication, giving um, uh, pull requests, feedback, things like that, uh, how to look at your workday and look at the tasks that you're probably already doing as a, as a developer um, and utilize those to really accomplish your goals. So we started with a little bit about goal setting and sort of what that means and how to set effective goals and then how to look at the pieces and the chunks of your actual workday um, to just focus in and see how you, can, how you can maximize the things that you're already doing for those purposes. This episode is sponsored by Linode. Do you need a Linux server for your latest creation? Then check them out. They provide SSDs, 40 gigabit per second network connections and top of the line hardware to run your server on. It deploys Linux in seconds from the Linode cloud and you can choose your Linux distro and node location right from the manager. They have locations in Asia, North America and Europe and they have a sweet set of tools to make it easy to manage it. If the web interface isn't your thing, they also have an API and a command line. So definitely go check them out. They also provide two-factor authentication, IPv6, DNS manager, cloning, scaling, and everything else that you want. So definitely get the most out of your Linux node and check them out at linode.com. And check them out at devchat.tv slash linode. So you're saying that it, it's, not a, it's not requiring a lot of change. It's more, it's more identifying and, and solidifying existing practices. Yeah. Yeah. So it's sort of like if you have a, like a iteration planning meeting or, um, you know, regular retrospective, how you can use those as 
um, as launch pads for additional personal reflection, for additional personal like, oh, this is what I've learned the last two weeks. Um, you know, we're looking at even just how you look at and take tickets uh, for, you know, for stories, for tasks that you're accomplishing, how you can look at those tickets slightly differently once you have goals set to uh, make sure that you're internalizing specific lessons that you want to be learning more effectively. Can you give an example of that? Like what kind of goals would you have set when you're doing a, a review? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm trying to think of that. When I sit down and do a code review, I'm like, it's not, I have no, my goal is to get it done and, yeah. and not be code reviewing. <laughs> what are you talking about um, for like reviewing someone's pull request or actually writing the code? Is that, well, I'm, I'm referring to what you were talking about on, on reviewing. Yeah. So, um, so when you're reviewing a pull request, let's say that you have a goal around improving your ability to, um, to write tests, right? To get better at, uh, at mini tests or RSpec or whatnot. Um, you, when you're reviewing that pull request, you might stop at the, at the spec file and say like, okay, what are you might, and just think about it for an extra couple of minutes. So what are these tests actually doing? What's the structure here? What's, is it testing, you know, what file is it testing? Um, and you know, like, is it covering, from what I know about about testing or whatnot, is it covering that? Or if there are no, if there's no specs file, if there if there's nothing being tested, like should there be something that's tested? Um, so you could just sort of like blow through a code review and be like, great, everything looks pretty good. But if you have a goal specifically related to testing, you know to like pause for that extra 30 seconds and just think, are there tests here? What are those tests saying? Um, and so that's sort of like a really simple example of how, you know, if you, if once you have a goal set related to a topic, you can incorporate it into stuff that you're already doing. Or if you're reviewing, um, like at Collective Idea, everybody code reviews, you know, you don't have to be like the most senior person on the team to code review. And so uh, if I know that if I have a goal related to tests and I know that I'm code reviewing somebody that is sort of known to be pretty good at testing, um, I'll make sure when I'm code reviewing to just like to read that a little more carefully and maybe even jot down some notes about like, oh, this person used this matcher or this like interesting format. Uh, and then it's in my, you know, in, in my notes of like things that I've learned. And I'm internalizing it a little bit more than if I was just sort of skimming through and being like, yeah, those tests look great. Good. Thumbs up. Looks good to me. Okay. So Collective Idea, they've, I've, I've also known about them for years and years. Um, I think uh, introduced from Ryan, Ryan Bates through the delayed job rails cast. Um, what do they, so it's, it's so fun talking to people that work at different companies, especially successful Ruby shops, because they have these patterns and these things that they do that lend to their success. What's something that you can share that, that Collective Idea does that, you, that maybe you haven't seen before and you're like, wow, this is a really good thing that people should know about? <laughs> this is a hard question. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, I don't think that this is sort of a, a brand new thing, but I think that um, the developers that I work with at Collective Idea are really, really collaborative and really um, willing and interested in, in helping each other and sharing and making each of our individual and collective um, 
code better. So, you know, there's a lot of sort of talk about best practices and, uh, you know, making sure that, um, making sure that everything does have tests and that we're thinking really thoroughly about that. Um, I'd say the other thing is that we often use uh, Interactor, which is a, an interesting gem as sort of a, a pattern um, to pull out to pull out pieces of logic. That's I've seen that used more at Collective Idea than um, than other places, and I, I think it's a uh, I think it's a really effective um, effective pattern um, and effective gem to use i have not heard of that gem before i haven't Great. either i'm actually looking at it right now yeah same here can you, can you <laughs> give a brief uh what, what does it do um so it basically it, it pulls out logic into uh it pulls out logic into these smaller um these smaller files. So, uh, you know, if you're, if you have some functionality that's being used in, in a couple of different places or, um, yeah, I mean the, if we can like delete this like mumbo jumbo of me rambling through words, that'd be great. Um, so, uh, it, it says in the readme, you know, Interactor is a sim single, simple, single purpose object. Um, and it's really for looking at business logic and, and pulling it out into a very specific place. Um, so, you know, it really sort of, it encapsulates that, that logic. So it doesn't have to be in the model or in the controller or in a lot of different places. It's just, they're all in sort of these various interactors. That's interesting. It's kind of cool. Yeah, but I think a lot of it is just, you know, like knowing uh, what's going on and talking with each other about, you know, about best practices and about sort of like constantly, um, you know, improving, improving our own code and improving each other's code. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Eric, I think, you know, what kind of captured my attention from what Allison was saying to answer your question uh, it was the words willing and interested in, you know, I think that's what makes them successful is that their developers are willing and they are interested in helping one another. You know, I think that, and I've worked with some developers that were just, uh, they were introvert to the extreme. They did not want to talk to you. They did not want to work with anyone else. They couldn't communicate with other people. And it made it very difficult uh, to work with them because they were un unapproachable. And I think when you have a team of people like that, you start to get into situations where uh, the efficiency goes down. You start, um, you know, having some merge conflicts of hell, you know, because you're not communicating with one another. And it's just overall messy. So I think, you know, as you were saying, Allison, working as a team and being willing to uh, help each other and interested in helping each other and that collaboration, not only will you reduce a lot of headaches, but you're also going to have a much more uh, fluid code base because you will start to adopt each other's styles where it makes sense. And then the application is going to read consistent. You're not going to have a lot of, you know, different weird syntaxes because everyone is working in the same kind of uh, hive mind uh, code base. Yeah. Well, and that's um, 
I think what's also really nice about it is that it, it translates to like our, our work with clients. Um, I honestly, like the last time that I was uh, job hunting and looking for a new position, I was a little weary of working for a consultancy because I'd heard so many bad stories about working with consultancies and like building the same app 20, you know, just like 20 different times or, uh, you know, just crazy hours when you get to sort of deadlines and not a lot of work-life balance. And so I asked a lot of those questions when, when I was interviewing. And what I found is that, um, I mean, Collective Idea, one of the things that I really love is that a, a lot of the folks on the team have kids. So there is like, there is like a, a really intense focus on work-life balance and making sure that like whatever your family needs comes first. Um, that's really, really important uh, to us as a company, but also that sort of that, that willingness um, and interest in, in growing each other and, and making things better. Um, I think that comes across a lot in our, in our work with clients as well. Cause it's sort of like, well, if you have that mentality internally and that, uh, you know, respect and communication and whatnot internally, then it's just going to sort of like overflow into the clients that you work with as well. Yeah. That's so, yeah. Go in there. Sorry. I'm sorry. Um, one of my, one of my heroes in, in the tech industry is actually, uh, Leah Silber. Um, from Tilda, and she is. Um, she actually wrote a tweet that I, I saw. It says, "My understanding of need versus want has dramatically post has changed dramatically post kid." I feel silly for how much I did not get it before you two, but and I, I wanted to ask you if you heard about what they're doing at Tilda. Um, I see you nodding, so I know you yes, do. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what, well, I'll let you explain it. Why don't you explain it and tell me what your thoughts are on that? Yeah. Yeah. Leah's great. Um, and I actually, I saw her at this past RailsConf. Um, I, I bring my son to, with me to tech conferences fairly frequently. I like, I joke that he, he are, yeah, I joke <laughs> that he like already knows the deal. Now like he'll like walk into a tech conference and he already knows to like collect the stickers and like, you know, go to like the booths. And, um, so, so, uh, and, and she had her baby there as well. So we, we chatted a little bit about, you know, about, being a mom in tech and, uh, and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. So what they're doing at Tilly is they, they have, uh, they're piloting this like babies in the office sort of program. And basically, um, it's that, you know, you can, you get a certain amount of time for, um, for maternity or paternity leave. I forget exactly how much, how much it is and if it's paid or unpaid. Um, but then you can, you can bring your, your baby, um, into the office with you. And so, um, you know, so you're, you're still there, you're still sort of like able to, to do what you need to do, et cetera. And, and you have your, you have your baby, your baby with you. Um, I think that there are pros and cons to this approach. Uh, I think, and I, I chatted with her a little bit more about it, um, just sort of offline to ask to ask some additional questions. I think that it's a great approach um, if you have an office that understands that whether you're with or without your baby in that time after your maternity leave, like you're not going to be the superstar crazy product. Like you're not going to be 
uh, you know, leveling up, like you can probably maintain status quo or maybe, you know, I think it's important that you have an office and a team that understands like you might not complete tasks as quickly. You might not be um, as available to, to pair based on how your child goes down for a nap. I mean, one thing that she does say in her article about it is she does specifically say that like the, bringing your baby into the office like does not work for every baby. Um, and I think that's sort of a, you know, another important differentiation is that every baby is different. Like some babies are, are colicky and are, you know, wake up a lot at night or, you know, sort of challenging others. Like, you know, you can feed them and they'll drift off to sleep and they'll just be these, you know, happy little creatures. Um, I think that, so I think that it's, Knowing your baby, I think that it's having an understanding team. Uh, it sounds like at their office, they also have a lot of setup for it. So, you know, they've got sort of specific areas, um, which is which is probably really helpful. Um, I, I do think that there's no... I think that there's no substitute for being able to take an adequate maternity leave. Um, and that was also in my last job hunt, a really important question that for me sort of felt like a double-edged sword. Um, cause I asked it, I asked the question early, which I knew could be like a knock against me at some companies. Um, but I asked what their maternity leave policy was and, uh, you know, cause I really only wanted to be looking at companies that had progressive policies. And in my opinion, like 12 weeks of unpaid leave or whatever is not a progressive policy. And in my opinion, like six weeks of paid leave is also not a progressive policy. Um, I, I think that there's no, I think that, I mean, and I, this is one of the things that I think before I had a baby, I was like, yeah, six weeks, like that sounds like a long time. I can probably like, you know, do the baby thing, have everything settled and then like get back to work. And, um, and it was really, really, your baby is just still so tiny at six weeks that it's so hard to drop them off somewhere. And there's there's also so many like logistics that you're still figuring out with nursing and bottles and, you know, just, just all sorts of stuff um, that I still think that there's no, there's no alternative for like a, a good paid uh, maternity or paternity leave program. And she even says in her blog post that like one of the reasons why they came up with this as a solution is because they're a small company. And right now they don't feel like they can sort of afford to give the kind of leave policy that they'd want. And so this is like a good alternative for, for the moment. Um, but yeah, I think that if your company can do an adequate leave policy, they should. Yeah, and that's really cool to see companies to have those kind of resources on site, you know, to be able to support a child being in there. Uh, I know a company in Louisville, Kentucky, a Ruby Shop Apris, that they had uh, on-site medical. So you can go downstairs to their little medical facility and get health care, you know, to get, you know, flu shot, doctor visit if you're not feeling well and stuff. And, you know, your family can come use those facilities as well and stuff. So that was really amazing. I almost, you know, went to work for them at one point, just like for that reason. I'm like, that's really cool that they would actually uh, have the sense of priority to have those kind of facilities available to the employees. And it really says a lot about a company when they uh, think of those kind of things. Yeah. Well, and flexible, like work from, I mean, I, I work remotely. I've been working remotely for years. Um, 
But working remotely, like it just took on a whole different meeting when I had a child because I just, you know, I had mm-hmm. more time with him like in the morning and in the evening. Um, and, and like I said, I, uh, I pumped for, I pumped for a year. I pumped until my kid was, was a year old. Um, and just like, being able to do that in the comfort of my home without having to worry about, you know, door locks and uh, sounds and fridges and, you know, all sorts of other stuff was just like, just really, really, really nice. Was there anything else that we wanted to talk about? So you mentioned back in February on one of your blog posts that you were pretty frustrated with the developer community. You were frustrated because there was the call to open source. And, and I think that kind of stemmed, stemmed this whole, this whole uh, shift that I see that you've taken. My question is, are you still frustrated? Um, and now I'm trying to remember what blog post that was. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was all, all surrounding time. Based on what, you're been, what you've been able to learn about yourself and manage your time and set your goals and reflection, do you find that you now have time to heed the, heed the open source call, so to speak? Um, no. Uh, like I can honestly say that if I didn't, if I didn't get time through work to, to do open source and to participate, then there's no way that there's just no way that I would have time otherwise. Um, because really the only time that I would have would be sort of late at night when like my, for me at least, like my brain is like so tired that it would take me so much longer to get to get things accomplished and, um, and open source isn't easy to, to jump into and out of. Um, it's sort of a, it can be a very scary prospect. It can be, you know, um, even the, even the code bases that have sort of like good contributing guidelines and whatnot, you still have to really like think through what you're doing and what you're submitting, et cetera, et cetera. And oftentimes like midnight when you've woken up at like six in the morning is like not, not that time. Um, yeah. And I mean, I think so open source is one thing. I think probably a lot of my frustration um, was this may have been around like the um, the job hunt. The last time I was looking for a job, I was very frustrated with how many places had take home code challenges and how they didn't realize that they didn't realize how difficult those were um, for folks with outside commitments and responsibilities to uh to, to complete. Um, and, and mostly actually, I, I wasn't as frustrated about that, but the, the part that really frustrated me was that when I would ask, um, when I would ask companies, when I would say, okay, w- what are the most important characteristics of someone that you're looking to hire? Uh, oftentimes what they said doesn't match up with a take-home code challenge, right? So they would say a willingness to learn or curiosity, you know, these various things. And I would say, okay, well, how does how does me completing this take-home code challenge, this specific code challenge that you are given giving to me, how does that accomplish your goal of seeing if I am this kind of person that are your top five characteristics of someone that you want to hire? Um, and that to me was like the most frustrating part is that oftentimes folks like didn't, didn't really have a good answer and they were just like, I don't know. Cause it seems like 
seems like an okay way to like figure out abilities or something. Um, and you know, and I will say that when I was last looking, I, uh, I prioritized places that did pairing interviews that had really thoughtful interview processes. Um, because also I don't learn anything about the company if I'm just doing a code challenge. Uh, if I'm pairing, then I can see like, okay, are these people that I want to work with? Does this seem like a fit for me as well? Um, because I, you know, I want to find somewhere that's good for me as well as being a, being a good employee. Yeah. So I don't know if that's you. the post that you're referring to, but I remember being very <laughs> frustrated at that point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good for you for calling last... them out though. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. Just, well, I tried to do it without, like, I didn't want to like burn bridges or like call them out, but it was, it was more, and I was lucky enough that I was sort of like able to, I feel like turn these into conversations, right? So mm-hmm. um, companies would often loop back around and be like, oh, why didn't you finish our process? Or, you know, or I'd be like, hey, can I chat with you about this for a second? So without being like, this is dumb and your process is dumb, right? Because I don't really find that that's very effective. But to sort of turn it into a conversation and just be like, you know, food food for thought for the future. Your interview process is your own, but this is just my perspective and like, you know, take it for, for what it is. No, I'm pretty sure take-home quizzes are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I got the ball clock take-home. Yeah. yeah. Go solve the ball clock. One last question. Yep. Sorry if you don't mind. One last question. Where does a woman who wants to get into tech, who is a mom, where can they go for support and guidance? Yeah, um, that's a great question. In certain areas, there's a group uh, called Mother Coders. Um, I believe they're just in the Bay Area, but they're um, they're a really great place for, for some support and guidance. I think also um, there are a lot of, or I know in DC, there are a lot of women in tech groups. And I think in other places, there, there are starting to be more women in tech groups. Um, and oftentimes, if you go to those groups, wherever you are locally, your Rails Girls, your Rails Bridge, your, you know, things like that, you can find additional moms or resources or, um, or whatnot. I know that I'm on uh, a couple of different Slack teams that have specific channels for parents um, or for moms, which is, which is quite helpful. Um, just for sort of like sharing stories and sharing resources and even just sharing, you know, sharing struggles. Um, so yeah, I think those are some, some good places to get started. Awesome. Thank you. And, uh, Elsa, how can people find you on the internet? Um, people can find me on the internet. So, uh, my blog is daydreams and Ruby. Um, and I am Allie, A-L-L-I-E underscore P on Twitter. Um, and those are probably the best places to find me. Um, I also have a speaker deck profile and I'm uh, A. Sharon on GitHub. Awesome. Well, should we move on to picks? This episode is sponsored by Airbrake. I don't know about you, but week in and week out, I spend hours debugging my code when I could be working on building new stuff. Then I started using Airbrake.io our latest sponsor, and the time I spent debugging was cut in half. Airbrake alerts you to errors in your software, then helps you diagnose and fix them. That means no more wasted time searching log files and more time writing and shipping great code. Airbrake supports .NET and all major programming languages. 
Sign up at getairbreak.com slash rogues for a free 30-day trial and the chance to win a $500 Amazon gift card at the end of the month. It's a completely free trial and you'll be shocked at how much time it saves you. Again, that's getairbreak.com slash rogues. Sounds good. Eric, uh, what picks do you have? Yeah, I have two. Um, the first one, and we were talking about uh, a little bit about strengths and and one of the things that they do at my company right now, Scipio, is is we uh, so everybody who comes to work at our company has to pay nine dollars. It's the weirdest thing. They come to the, they come in the first day like, okay, you got to pay us nine dollars. <laughs> they're like, uh, I don't. <laughs> this is a little backwards. But what it does is it pays for it pays for this test, and it's it's uh, it's about a half hour to take. It's called the Gallup Strengths Test, and. I have taken it twice because I thought it was, I, th- I, I thought, I didn't like the results of the first one. <laughs> so I took it again, got nearly identical results. But ever since then, I've learned so much about myself and so much about um, what makes me unique as an individual and what allows me to be valuable to others. But it also opens my eyes to the value of others as well, where I see each each and every person has such unique skills and abilities that uh, it, 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 it really is pretty amazing. So it's the Gallup Strengths Test. Uh, the other one that I have, which is an unbelievable open source project, I, I think it, yeah, I think it's open source, is called Metabase. Uh, Metabase is a tool, and I, I don't have it pulled up right now, so I can't read you the, the blurb, but Metabase sits on top of your database uh, and it allows you to run extensive reports, create graphs. Uh, it lets you create um, uh, tables where you can enter change information, and it allows you to embed stuff directly into your website. So a lot of times, how many times have we all written graphs and stuff like that and written written reports and tables and, and charts? And what they allow you to do is they just plug into your database. You you create what they call questions, and then you can take those questions and put them right into your admin, right into your tools. So insanely powerful, and it's just given to you. These guys are amazing. So those are so those are my two picks. Awesome, and Allison, do you have any picks? I've got four. I hope oh, that's wow. okay. Yeah, let's hear them. They're very varied. Uh, so. First is a blog post that um, TableXI did about what they call the sticky note game. Um, so this is, they also do sort of goal setting uh, at their at their company and it's a little bit of guided goal setting and they have this pretty cool um, sticky note game uh, methodology in order to help people sort of brainstorm and, and set their goals. So I thought that was really cool. Um, my second is Write Speak Code. Have either of you guys heard of Write Speak Code? Okay, so Write Speak Code is uh, it's both a conference and they have local chapters in New York, Chicago, San Francisco, and they're opening one in Atlanta. Um, the conference was uh, last week, and it's it's an amazing conference. It's it's like a working conference where really one day is writing, one day is speaking, one day is contributing to open source, and one day is focused on on self care uh, for women and and non binary folks. And it's really an incredible an incredible network. Work, an incredible working conference, um, and I think that you're just able to 
do a lot and meet a lot of really amazing um, women in in tech uh, at that at that conference and through those chapters. My third, um, so I was in Portland, Oregon for Right Speak Code last week, and I went to this ice cream shop called Ruby Jewel, and it was amazing, and I had brown sugar marionberry crisp ice cream. So um, for folks that follow me on Twitter, I really, I try to try like pastries or sweets or whatnot, like wherever I go. Um, and so highly recommend Ruby Jewel. It was delicious. Um, and my fourth one is, uh, it's called the Crystal Disc Assessment. Um, so the Disc Assessment is um, sort of an assessment that helps you figure out your communication style um, and how you communicate with others and how you think about communication, et cetera. And so Crystal, uh, the website is crystalnose.com and um it's, it's just this really awesome quick survey that is incredibly accurate. And if you are at a company, you can actually have a team profile. So you can look at, we recently did this at, at Collective Idea, you can look at everybody's um, communication style and you can sort of see, okay, when I'm communicating with this person, uh, this is a really effective way to communicate with them. Or like, this is sort of the information that they need um, when I'm talking through like a problem or, or something with them. So uh, yeah, recently I ran sort of this short workshop about communication and whatnot for the team. And um, and then the follow-up was doing this, uh, this crystal disc assessment, which was fascinating and really interesting and a really cool resource that we now have as a, as a company um, to interact with each other more effectively. Cool. That's it. Those are all my picks. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so my pick, uh, should be one that everyone is familiar with and it's the rails guides. So I like, you know, just, um, th that's my bedtime reading material. So I love just going through the guides and reading them because there's always something cool in there or something I just did not know rails had. So, uh, it's very easy to read, uh, guides and I enjoy reading them. All right. Well, uh, thank you for coming on the show, Allison. It was a great thank talk. You. Yeah, and thanks for having me. We'll yeah, talk to you all later. All right, take care. Right. Sounds good. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.